It's Wednesday night, and I'm in a study. You can't teach this in one lesson. It just covers all of the Bible from one end to the other. And it's the one verse that's the most puzzling verse to all the so-called scholars in America. It's the verse that nobody wants you to ask them. Because when you do, they start stumbling and fumbling all over the place. It's found over here in First Peter. If you ask any professor in any seminary, what's the most difficult verse in the Bible to understand? The majority of them will say over in First Peter, they'll say this right here. In First Peter, the the third chapter, verses 18 and 19. These two verses, when I teach you this, I don't think you realize nobody understands this. You can call the Church of Christ School across town, ask for their most brilliant seminary professor. He won't know how to explain this. You can call... You can call Southern Southwestern Baptist Theological in Fort Worth. Ask for the smartest professor they got. They won't know what to do this. You can call Dallas Theological Seminary, which is a postgraduate seminary where you go to get your doctor's degree. They don't know what it means. I've never heard anyone that understands this. And it all stands on the definition of one word. It's called the spirits in prison. If you think because you've heard me teach it, it's common knowledge out here. Nobody knows what it is. Never met anybody that understood it. Never met a preacher. Never heard anybody teach on it. Spirits. This is about the spirits in prison. And when the Pentecostals preach on it, when Kenneth Copeland preaches on it, I wrote preach. When he preaches on it, Kenneth Copeland says, that's when Jesus went down to hell when he died. And he went to hell and preached to everybody in hell. That is insane. Let's read this and let me go through it. I really want to verify this with the scripture so you can see it. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just, that's him, the dikaio, D-I-K-A-I-O-O, the just, those that are, he was the right one, means right it comes to the word dikaio sune, which is the word righteous. If you're righteous, you'll be doing right. At least the inner man will. The outer man may be fighting and arguing with the inner man, and that's theologically correct according to the seventh chapter of Romans. The spirits in prison. The just for the unjust. Adike is unjust, A-D-I-K-E. D-K means right. The alpha privative in front of the D-K 
negates the word. It means the unright, those that are not right. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us. Us, Peter is writing to believers. Bring us to God. And here's how he's going to do it. Being put to death in the flesh. Here's how God does this. And nobody even thinks the way I think on this because there's many concepts like this in Scripture. Put to death in the flesh. Put to death and quickened by the Spirit. Now, quickened is the word Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Zumpoeo is the word quicken. It comes from poeo, meaning to make. But poeo is not the common word for labor. There's a common word for make or labor. That's the word ergon. That's not this word. Ergon. That word means to labor. Ergon means to labor or toil. When we see the word energy in our language, in ergon, it means to labor in something. That's the word energy. Poeo has the idea of a beautiful thing, something that looks like a mosaic or a tapestry. So when God quickens us, what he does, he makes us a type of tapestry with the new birth. He makes us alive in the form of a beautiful work in our hearts with his hands. That's beautiful to him. That's why he wants to get rid of the outer man. You got an inner man, which is Christ in you when you're born again. But that inner man is not there in an unbeliever, born again. So that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have an outer man, Paul says, in Romans 7. You also find the inner man and the outer man over in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. You find the inner and the outer man in Colossians, the third chapter. You find the inner and the outer man in <clears throat> Uh, several places there in Scripture, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, and Romans 7. I always start with Romans 7 because it makes it real clear. He says, The inner man serves the law of God, And the outer man serves, the outer man is self, it serves the flesh. Outer man is self. And it takes years of trials and persecution and tribulation that God puts us through intentionally to cause this inner man, this outer man to die. And as you get old, 
the outer man gives way to the inner man. So when we're talking about zupaeo, quicken, in our case, it means to make alive the inner man. But this is talking about Jesus over here. He was put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. When you put the two phrases, put to death and quickened, they imply one word, one word, and this is the means by which Christ will preach to the spirits in prison. The means that he preaches to them is the incorporation of these two phrases. Put to death and quickened is resurrection. Resurrection, anastasis. That word means to come to life, quickened, come to life after dying. The very definition of the word is met by these two phrases. Can you see that? It's really simple. Put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit is one word, resurrection. That makes it easier to understand, doesn't it? By which, then he says, being put to death in the flesh, by which is referring back to put to death in the flesh, quickened by the Spirit. Let's just say resurrection is by which. Resurrection is by which. Then he says, by which he went unto the spirits. He went and preached unto the spirits in prison. People say, well, that preached is one time. No. Preached, Caruso. There is a famous opera singer in the 20s and 30s, probably the most famous opera singer that ever lived. His name was Enrico. Enrico Caruso. When I was a kid and somebody would try to sing, I remember people saying, who do you think you are, Caruso? We knew who he was in the 40s and 50s as children. Caruso means to herald, to herald, or to shout out. So Christ heralded himself by being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. He preached to the world. He preached to the spirits in prison. Now, the reason people can't understand that is because they, I've never heard anybody define the word prison. It's not even hard. When you look at, you have what I, what the Bible calls morphemes. Morphemes, that is, comes from morphe, which means word shapes means shapes of words and they're spelled alike and they come from basically the same meaning this word prison is the word phulake p-h-u-l-a 
K-E. There's several words that's connected to that. You have the word fulak, P-H-U-L-A-K-A-P-H-U-L-A-K-A. This word fulak means to guard, to guard, to guard somebody who is being held or imprisoned somewhere. They're being held in some fashion, phylak. We get the word phylactery, P-H-Y-L-A-C-T-E-R-Y. Phylactery means to protect. A phylactery was those little boxes that the Jews have on their left arm. They they had a little box, and they get this out of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, where the Lord said, take my law and put it on your hand. It's the same thing as the boxes between their eyes. Put it before your eyes. The Jews interpreted that as literal. So they took several verses that's talking about that, put them in these little boxes, tied them around their forehead, tied them around the wrist and wrapped that thing around their left arm because it was nearest to their heart. And they said those phylacteries protected them. Protect. Well, let's get on to this word prison. Phylake. Phylake is talking about, it means the division of day and night or light and darkness. I spell light that night that way because it may be shorter. Light and darkness. So the spirits in prison were in darkness. Now we are imprisoned when we come to Christ. Every time Paul would say, Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ, or he would say, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ. Servant. Is the word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. It is a form of the word dio. You remember dio to bind or forbid? Remember that? That we're to bind and loose. Luo is the word loose. And that was a rabbi's term. They said you had to take the word of God and bind, forbid, and loose, permit, according to the word of God only. So, doulos has to do with binding. Doulos is the word, it's not the word servant, it's the word slave. If you're a slave or a servant of God, you're bound to him. So, we are imprisoned by the word of God when he births us by his will and he puts this inner man in us and tells the outer man, you're going to have to learn to behave yourself and if you don't, I'll beat you with an inch of your life. He scourges every son he receives. So, spirits in prison are about people who are in darkness. It's very simple. It's like falling off of a log if you define enough words. 
And I promise you, I've never heard any professor, any teacher of any kind ever deal with this. Never. I found out years ago, if I were to find words, I can find out what things mean. The men that were in prison were the Gentiles. Gentile and nation have the same meaning in the Hebrew and the same meaning, the same meaning in A-T-I-O-N, the same in the Greek. The word in the Greek is ethnos, and ethnos, we get our word ethnic from that, it's the word gentile, it's the word nation. Anytime you find this, when Jesus told the apostles, Go into all the world and teach all nations. That is very, very important to know that the word nation is the same word as Gentile. Up to Jesus' death, which was just three days before he told them to go into all the world, he had resurrected from the dead. Then he comes to him and says, Go into all the world and teach every Gentile everything I've commanded you. Up to that point, the Gentiles weren't preached to in the Old Testament. They weren't given the Word of God. They were the spirits in prison. Prison, they were in darkness. They were in darkness because they weren't given the Word of God. God would make a certain few exceptions in the Old Testament, but He would tell, he, God would tell Saul, or David, kill all those Gentiles. That would mean us. But he made an exception with certain few people. Nebuchadnezzar, he made an exception. He was a Babylonian king. Ruth was a Moabite. He made an exception of her. Rahab was a harlot, was Palestinian or a Arab. He made an exception of her. He made an exception of rather Hittite. Very few. He made an exception of Gittai, which was a Philistine. These are just a certain few. But overall, the Gentiles were in darkness from Adam until Jesus. Now, I've taught on this, and I'm going to keep on till I get exhaustive on it. Because I really want you to understand this. This, this is something that I've never heard anybody understand the stupidest explanation i have ever heard came from pat robertson what what a nimble brain he was having his question and answer session on tv and i've told you this before but i want to say it again because it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life some guy businessman stood up in the middle of the crowd and said and he said you have a question sir Yes, Brother Pat. The guy looked real dignified. And he says, Did Jesus go to hell to preach to the spirits in prison? And you could see Pat was, if you knew what I knew, you could see the sweat popping out on his forehead going, Ah, uh, uh, yes, Jesus went down to hell when he died on the cross and he preached, he opened the doors of hell and invited everybody out from the Old Testament that had gone there that wanted to come out of hell. Is that a stupid, stupid statement? And some of them said, we want to stay here. They're going, ah, we like 
it here. That's insane. The guy's thanking Brother Pat for being so profound. Pat Robertson is ignorant and stupid. The spirits in prison are the Gentiles that were in darkness and they had no light. No light. One more time. Let's go over to Isaiah. 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 Let me write it down so you won't forget about it. Isaiah is the Old Testament Paul. And Paul is the New Testament Isaiah. Isaiah's whole message. He preached to northern Israel for 50 years. And because the, because the Jews rejected God, northern Israel was, I could go into this in great detail, but I won't. Northern Israel was the ten northern tribes. Ten northern tribes. And they were led by the tribe of Ephraim. You can find that in Genesis 48, where Jacob put his hands upon the top of Ephraim and passed the inheritance to Ephraim, the second born of Joseph. Won't go into that any further. Second born of Joseph. And the second born usually got the inheritance from God. Our second birth is what gives us the inheritance of God. Second born of Joseph. That's the ten northern tribes. The two southern tribes is called Judah. Now Judah was also a tribe. And God, had, God accepted the tribe of Judah as a name for the southern nation. Southern nation. So what you've got. You've got Ephraim. And Judah. You've got to pay attention to what it's talking about. Judah the tribe. Or after Judah is long dead. Anytime Judah is referred to. It's referred to the tribe of Judah. And Benjamin. Which was southern Judah. You can see it on this map over here. You can see it. Over here. When you look at. Here is Benjamin. Here is Judah. So Benjamin and Judah was southern tribe. What's Simeon doing there? I, that, there's a story about Simeon I don't have time to go into, but he was very unruly and unfaithful to God. God stuck him down here in the middle of Judah, even though he was numbered with the ten northern tribes. He was not numbered with Judah. He was numbered up here. And I got my own belief as to why he was numbered there. And y'all have heard me teach on him. Now, now let's, what we're doing, I'm just going to keep, it may take me a while to get through this. I'll repeat myself. Y'all are understanding what I'm saying, aren't you? It's not hard. It's not hard to understand the Gentiles were in darkness. They were forbidden from having the truth. 
the Gentiles were. They were the all flesh here for 4,000 years from Adam till Jesus. To Jesus. The all men that the Bible's talking about, God will have all men be saved, or He's going to pour out of His Spirit, which is truth on all flesh. That is talking about the Gentiles. When Jesus blinds the eyes of the Jews, the Jews are blinded. He comes in Jerusalem in Luke, the 19th chapter. That is four days before he's going to be crucified as the Passover lamb. But he came to him as the king, as the prince, or as the prince to be made king. They didn't receive him as that, and it's because God arranged it in their mind to crucify him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when he came in, he looked out over Jerusalem and said to him, you've got his account and you've got Matthew's account. Luke's account, he looked out and said, if thou hadst known even thou in this thy day, the things that belong to your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes and you are blind. I'm going to open up here, 50 days after the Passover, which is where he dies as the Passover lamb. 50 days later, later, it's going to be Pentecost. And that's where he says, I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And what he's talking about is red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. God had limited his truth, which is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the truth. John 14, 15, 16. John 15, 26. John 16, 13. First John 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth, and thy word is truth. So he's going to give his word to all these Gentiles, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh, as opposed to the one flesh he gave his word to in the Old Testament. He only gave it to the Jews or to Israel. And they were all one lineage, starting with Adam. And there in the Genesis, the fifth chapter, it takes you Adam to Seth to uh, Enosh to on down to Canaan, Mahalaleel, takes you all the way down to Noah and his sons. These are all one family or one flesh. You can trace the Jews back to Adam. Noah, Shem, we get the word Semitic from Noah's second born son, Shem. Semitic, and Semitic means Jewish. Or Shemitic, S-H-E-M-E-T-I-C. So you get that word from that Shem, and it goes on down to Arphaxid. And the list goes on until you get to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And he's got 12 sons that become the nation. And that's the only people that get the truth. And they're all one family or one flesh. So when they get to going after Baal, Grove, and this is the Christmas message, Baal, Grove, Shemosh, Molech, Isis, Osiris, and they go after all of the gods of the people around Israel. God says, at a point, he said, I've had enough of Israel. They're not obedient to me. But there's a verse that goes with that of them not being obedient. This is something that hard for people to get hold of. Romans eleven eleven. Israel keeps going after all these idol gods. They go after Egypt's gods. They have to go after after the gods of Ammon, of Moab, of Syria, of Lebanon. That's Baal in the Grove from Lebanon when Ahab brings it in there. And because they do this, God says, I'm going to give my truth to a group of Gentile elect. So I'm going to call all flesh, and they're going to come to the light. And Isaiah talks all about that through his book. Those that come to the light are the all men, or the all flesh, and they come to the light because God has picked out certain ones to be his predestinated elect, and I'm one of them. And if you believe the truth, you're another one. And we're Gentiles. All of us here are Gentiles. Black and white, red and yellow, brown. Now, not any difference in Gentiles. Look over here at Isaiah. Isaiah says the same things that Paul said to these Gentiles who had been in darkness. If you don't define every word, you're not going to understand anything. Look at Isaiah, the 46th chapter. Isaiah. 46? Look at the 42nd chapter first. Look at Isaiah 42. And you're going to find Isaiah's talking about the Gentiles constantly. And every time he talks about him, he says, they're going to come to the light. Isaiah was prophesying while Israel, northern Israel was carried away into Assyria because they had involved themselves in sun and tree worship, which is the same thing that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. and called Christ's mass or Christmas. It's the same system. He brought it in because, and I'm going to say it again, Constantine was the ruler of the entire empire which surrounded the Mediterranean Sea. That's called the Great Sea, or it's translated bottomless pit, which is a real stupid translation. I think it was some Roman Catholics during the translating committee that put bottomless pit. Let me say it again. Abusos is the word bottomless pit in the Greek text. It's, it's a construction of bathos. Bathos means something with great knowledge or intellectual depth. Knowledge. 
placing the Alpha Privative in front of Bathos. Bathos is the same word in 1 Corinthians. Let me show you this. In 1 Corinthians, look over here in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Look here. Sometimes I just need to have you turn to it so I can show it to you. All right. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. We'll read verse 9 and 10, then we'll go back to Isaiah 42. 9 and 10. But it is, as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, I heard Bill Clinton quote this in his, his inaugural address. He kind of missed it. He said, I hath not seen nor heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man what we can do. What a dumbbell. What do you mean what we can do? It doesn't say that. Then he talks about the deep things of God that he's revealed to us. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The word deep is the word bathos. Or the verb form bathizo, B-A-T-H-I-Z-O. Bathos means something with great knowledge. That's God's knowledge. Placing the alpha in front of bathos translates no knowledge. The alpha primitive negates the word means no knowledge. And the bottomless pit is the place of no knowledge. This goes along with the spirits in prison because nobody in the ancient world had any knowledge of God but little tiny Israel on the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Nobody until God poured out of his spirit on all flesh. Can you see that? Is that about as simple as falling off a log? It's very simple. So the place of no knowledge is everything that's not Israel. And the only people in spiritual Israel that have the knowledge of God is when God comes and writes his law and fleshy tables of the hearts of the Gentiles, which is us. That's about like reading a first grade reader when you define the words, isn't it? It's like, who can't understand that? All right. Now. So that's the deep things of God. Now go back to Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. All you have to do, this is not something that's difficult. It's, I keep telling everybody, use your concordance. It's real simple. Look here. Take your concordance. Like right here. You want to learn how to learn? It's tedious, but very simple. Take your concordance. If you have a copy machine or if you have a concordance on your computer, go to the word prison. Go to the word Gentile. 
and go to this word light and darkness and look up every time these words are mentioned in Isaiah just look at Isaiah alone that'll give you so much you won't know what to do with it I-S-A-I-A-H okay S-A-I-A-H did you know this is all I did to find these things out it's like let me look at the camera it ain't hard it's just definition I'm looking out there and calling down the preachers you guys are lazy bums they're just bums is all they are getting a 300,000 a year salary and a car allowance and a and a uh, and IRA and get the, all their insurance paid and they get a housing allowance. You know, some of these pastors, these huge churches get forty, fifty, sixty thousand a year housing allowance. Some get a lot more than that. Some of them get fifty thousand a year just for their library to buy books, and they don't do that. They just take the money, spend it. It doesn't. It's not hard to find out what things are. We got it here. You got it in McClinic and Strong. How many times do I quote McClinic and Strong in a month? Fifty or more. Now, this this is like one plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Do you understand, preachers? Let's just read this right here. Verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Duh. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard. In the street, a bruised reed shall he not break. It's talking about Jesus. And his smoke, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. And the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith the God, the Lord, he hath created heavens and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. Do you think this is a different spirit than the Holy Spirit being truth in the New Testament? No. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. I'm going to call my prophets to preach to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. Great day in the morning. To bring them out of prison. 
And them that sit in darkness, who was sitting in darkness when he wrote this? The Gentiles were sitting in darkness. Out of the prison house. That's the Gentiles. The Jews weren't in darkness. They had all the prophets coming to them and preaching to them. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory will I not give to another. I love that verse there. When these guys standing on stage wanting to take glory and pointing at God and singing false gospel songs that have no truth in them, they're taking the glory. The man that speaks of his own self seeks his own glory there in John the 7th chapter. Neither am I praise to graven images. Now, what I'm going to do is just go through this. Look here in 43 and 20. We'll read 19 and 20. Behold, I will do a new thing. What is the new thing he's going to do? Call the Gentiles. I will do a new thing. Night shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Not going to go into that. A lot to say about it. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people whom I have chosen. He's talking about Gentiles. Because Isaiah is preaching the destruction of Israel, northern Israel, all through here. When you look at the border of most of these chapters, this is around 712 B.C. 712 B.C. Northern Israel has already been carried away into captivity in 722 B.C. So they have been in captivity for at least 10 years by the Assyrians when they came in to slaughter them and cut them to the ground. Now, let's keep going. Look at 4320. Oh, I looked at that. Excuse me. Look at 49. Look at chapter 49. Isaiah talks about nothing but most of what he talks about He's preaching to Israel, telling them to repent. And when you don't, God's going to call the Gentiles or those that are in darkness. Now, 49. Look at verse 1. And we're going to read down through 6. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. That would be Gentiles. The Lord hath called me from the womb... How's that for predestination? He called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, hath he made me mention of my name. Sounds like the Apostle Paul in the first chapter of Galatians. He said, I was formed in the womb to preach the gospel. Look at that real quick. Look at Galatians. Sounds like Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, Jeremiah, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations. Sounds like Galatians. First chapter. First chapter. Look at verse 15. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb 
and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I may preach him among the heathen or among the Gentiles. Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. You can find that in the second chapter of this same book. He says that if you look over, well, let me finish reading this. And called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles or the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So he said, God called me from the womb. But first of all, before I go out and preach to the Gentiles or the heathens, I got to become a killer of Christians. That was what he had to become. So when he became a murderer of Christians there in the ninth chapter of Acts, then God strikes him down on the Damascus Road and calls him to preach to the Gentiles. And we look over there in Galatians, the second chapter, contrarywise, verse 7, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, uncircumcision means Gentiles, was committed unto me, and the gospel of the circumcision, the Jews, was committed unto Peter. So Paul had his work to preach to the Gentiles, those that had been in prison. Now let's go back over here to 49th chapter. Takes a long time to put all this together. Look at 49th chapter of Isaiah. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. This is Isaiah. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, made me a polished shaft in his quiver hath he hid me. This is Isaiah talking. Verse 3. And said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, whom I will be glorified. Who's he talking about Israel? Spiritual Israel, all those that believe in him, including the Gentiles that he's going to call to his light. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught. And in vain yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb. That's predestination. To be his servant. He didn't just form me. He formed me to be his servant. To bring Jacob again to him. What does he mean to bring Jacob? Jacob was all the 12 tribes of Israel. Northern Israel has been already been carried away at this point. So what he's talking about He's saying, Southern Judah will be carried away. And I've have to, in order to bring all of Jacob back to me, they've got to be carried away. And then we see in the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, we see the Valley of Dry Bones, where the Bible says, take one stick for Ephraim, the tribe of Joseph, the stick of Joseph, and one for Judah, and bring them to me, and they'll be one in my hand. And that's where we are now. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. He's saying at this point, they haven't been gathered together, because only northern Israel has been scattered at this point. Then he says, he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. How can you raise up the tribes of Jacob when all, that's all the 12 tribes 
When Jacob is referred to long after he's dead, it's talking about all 12 tribes. When northern Israel is referred to, it's talking about Ephraim or Samaria. When southern Judah is talked about, which Jeremiah preached to for 40 years, it's talking about Judah. And to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. There's the spirits in prison. That thou mayest be my salvation. This last phrase is unbelievable. Unto the end of the earth. Well, in the Old Testament, God's word wasn't to the end of the earth. It was to Israel. To the end of the earth means all over the world, the Gentiles. That phrase is talking about the Gentiles coming to truth. Just that phrase. How many other phrases do I have on that? Bunch of them. I'll just stop right here and say, look at Habakkuk 2.14. Habakkuk. I don't know how other to preach this and take one verse at a time. Habakkuk. That's very at the end of the scripture. Was there Joel and Micah and them? And then you go to Habakkuk. That's right before Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So he says here in Habakkuk. This is the same thing unto the end of the earth. That's a reference to Gentiles. Because even at this point, God's only given the truth to the Jews. He doesn't pour out of his spirit on all flesh until Acts 2. And he says here to Bacca, uh 2. Read verses 13 and 14. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters that cover the sea. That's a reference all over the world to the Gentiles to the spirits that have been in prison for 4,000 years. In fact, he says the same thing in Numbers 14, 21. Look at this. I'm not going to get away from the 49th chapter. Numbers 14, 14, 21. Numbers is before they are a nation. Numbers is the book of Numbers in the law is the time period when they're in the wilderness and they leave, they leave the book of Numbers is about, here is the Sinai Peninsula. It's about them coming down here to Sinai, getting the law of God and coming up here, coming up here to uh up in this area up here, uh, just below Israel, 
And it's all their time period that they're wandering in the wilderness. That's what the book of Numbers is about. So he says here in Numbers 14 and 21. Now this is before they've turned away from God. Numbers 14, 21. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's a reference to the Gentiles believing. And then you can go to Amos 8. Go ahead and go to Amos, the 8th chapter. He says the same thing. Anytime it says, the earth shall be full of the glory of the knowledge of the Lord, that's because there's going to be Gentiles from all over the world. Look here in Amos 8 and verse 12. Twelve. Wait a minute. Amos eight. Oh, I was talking about Israel. Let's read eleven and twelve. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send famine in the land of Israel, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They quit listening to God and went after Bell in the grove and so forth. They shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Talking about the Jews, because they've turned away from God. And look here in Psalms 2 and 8. Psalms. If you don't understand the spirits in prison... You can't understand this at all. Psalms 2, verse 8. Psalms 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Ask of me. He's talking about Israel. If you're believing Israel, ask of me. I'll give you the whole world. And that's what this is about. Look at Micah 7. Micah 7. He said, when he says these things, he's talking specifically about the Gentiles. Micah. Micah. Micah, Micah 7, and Micah's preaching against Israel because northern Israel's already been carried away, and southern Judah's beginning to buy into that same apostasy. Micah 7, and verse 12, I believe it is, 7, 12. Let's read 11 and 12. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from fortified cities and from fortress even to the river and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. He's saying the Jews will be scattered all over the earth, but he's going to give his message to the Gentiles. Isaiah 11 is one of my favorites on this. Isaiah 11. Look at Isaiah 11. I love this. 
Isaiah 11, he says the same thing. Isaiah 11, verses 9 and 10. I got to read a little bit before that because he says in verse 6, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. This is not talking about literal wolves and literal lambs. We are lambs to the slaughter, and the wolves are false teachers. And the leopard, it's not talking about literal leopard, and you see that as we read this. The leopard was the Grecian Empire. It was the part of the beast. It was like the leopard in Daniel 7 and in Revelation 13. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid or with the goat. That's not a literal lying down. That means the world beast system will lie with us, the lamb, during these this last 2,000 years when the Gentiles come to the light. And the calf and the young lion, the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. God called us little children. My little children, these things write unto you. And the cow and the bear shall feed together. What is he talking about? Cattle feeding with literal bears. The bear was representative of Persia, the part of the beast system. The lion was representative of Babylon. And you can see that as we read a following verse here. Their young ones shall lie down, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. It's talking about the world beast system is not going to hurt God's lambs. We're sitting down with the world beast system. It don't mean they won't kill us. It means we are his forever. Then he says, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. Do you realize every time the word asp is mentioned in the Bible, nearly 100% of the time it's talking about evil teachers? Like Jesus called the Pharisees, generation of snakes, vipers. And the wind child shall put his head on the cockatrice den. A cockatrice was a deadly serpent. And look at verse 9. We'll tell you what all this is talking about. Tells you exactly what it's about. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain anymore. Well, was the lion hurting Israel? The lion was Babylon that carried him away into captivity. Was the leopard hurting Israel? The leopard was was Greece that that overthrew Persia, the bear. And it's, that's what it's talking about, because read the last verse of this. Let me read that ninth verse. They shall not hurt. You mean, you mean Israel was having a siege of lions and leopards and bears and serpents running all through Jerusalem and biting people and killing them? It's not what it's talking about. They shall not hurt in my holy mountain anymore. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters that covers the sea. That's a reference to the Gentiles all over the world. And the people that destroy Israel is not going to be Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome anymore. The Babylonian lion, the Persian leopard, uh, the Persian bear, and the Grecian leopard, and the beast with iron teeth. We're going to be believers in this world as Gentiles that come to the light. In fact, if you go on and read more of that, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand 
for the second time to recover the remnant of his people and that will be from all over the world including the Gentiles which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and Elam it's talking about all over the world where God has scattered Israel and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. The islands of the sea would include America, wherever the Gentiles are that have been called. And he shall set up an ensign, a nesh, a flag, a beacon for the nations, for the Gentiles. And shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And the envy of Ephraim, northern Israel, shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah any more, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. They will be friends at the end of time. This is the coming together of the two nations, and that happened May 14, 1948. Now let's go back over here. I could sit and read all of that and comment on it. Now, look here in Zechariah 9 and 10. I like this. Zechariah, over at the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah Malachi. Zechariah 9. This will tell you about the kingdom of God. These prophets are talking about the Gentiles coming to the light. All right. Zechariah 9 and verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. God has said the time is going to come. Ephraim can't defend itself with his armies. I'm going to cut off the chariot. And the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall, shall be cut off and he shall speak unto the heathen, to the Gentiles. And his dominion, God's dominion, shall be from sea even to sea, and from river unto the ends of the earth. That's a reference to the Gentiles. I'm not going to let Israel fight for themselves anymore. I'm going to cut off their chariots and their ability to fight. And he says... And look at verse 11. And for thee also by the blood of the covenant I have sent forth the prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. He's not talking about a literal pit. He's talking about the Gentiles. Turn you to strong, to the stronghold ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto you. And then he says the basic same things in Isaiah 49. Let's go back to 49. That's where we started with this. Isaiah 49 and verse 6. And Isaiah said, or he said, it is, is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel, 
I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. That's where we started with this long exposition. There's a verse in Isaiah 2. I can't leave this out. Isaiah 2. I love this right here. It shows he's talking about the Gentile church. Paul told the Ephesians, You were darkness, Ephesus, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. said that in the fifth chapter. He tells the Thessalonian Gentile church. He said, God has brought you to the light. He tells the Colossian Gentile church the same thing. We'll look at those things. Now, Isaiah 2, the word of the Lord, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Israel. It shall come to pass in the last days. The last days is when God is going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh of the Gentiles. In the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house, what is the mountain of God? Zion. What is the Lord's house? the temple his house was the inner sanctuary Christ is the son of his own house whose house are we now he lives in us that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above the top of the mountains of the world a mountain was a capital city the capital city of God is Zion he's not talking about a thousand year reign here like people have twisted And the top of the mountain shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. All Gentiles shall flow to it. This is what he's talking about. Isaiah is talking about the Gentiles through his whole book. The reason is because Israel turned away from God and were worshiping all these idols. Northern Israel had a king named Ahab that brought Jezebel's father's gods in and brought that and made it the national god and goddess of Israel. Can y'all see that? It's really fairly simple. You can explain this to people if you know where all this stuff is. I'm not going to read any more out of that. I could, I'll spend half a day on that. What he says in verse 5, O house of Jacob, talking about us too, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now go back over here to Isaiah 49. He says in verse 8, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation that I help thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, all of it, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth and to them that are in darkness, the Gentiles, show yourselves that they shall feed in the ways and their pastors shall be in all the high places. He's talking about God coming to the spirits in prison or the Gentiles. Do I have to have all these verses? 
No, what I'm trying to do is verify that the Gentiles are the spirits that were in prison in darkness. And Isaiah says all through his book, they're going to come to the light. Now look here in Isaiah 60. How much time do I have, Mike? 25. I'm going to try to get through most of this. Isaiah 60, verse 3. Well, he says in verse 1, this is the same verse that Jesus quoted in Luke 4.18. And Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, for the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the captives. The word captive is those that are in prison. And he says that in Luke 4.18. And to the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted, throw means crushed. God's going to crush his people. Then he says here in Isaiah 61, verse 1 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. That's the word good tidings is gospel in the New Testament. Preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, the Gentiles. Look at the way Jesus put it, Luke 4. Here's what he said in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is standing in front of the... He's quoting directly from Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. He said over here to preach good tidings, so that is the gospel. And when the Bible speaks of good tidings of great joy, which ought to be to all people, the word good tidings there in Luke, the fourth chapter... Uh, the third chapter, just right across the page there. Well, previously, back in Luke, the the second chapter, verse 10, the angel said unto me, Fear not, for he hath, behold, I bring good tidings of great joy. That word good tidings, in that talking about the birth of Christ, is the word euangelizo. means to evangelize, it is the word preach the gospel. A-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O. That word good tidings is the word preach. When you look up preach the gospel, it's the word euangelizo. Evangelize. If you evangelize, you'll preach the gospel, which is death to self, which is a blood baptism, and the list goes on and on. And he says, Jesus said, to preach the gospel to the poor, P-T-O-C-H-O-S. You have to be poor in spirit to be a believer. Emptied out. You have to be emptied of self. You can't believe in predestination without realizing that you're the sinner you are. And he said to 
heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives that are in prison. That's the way he put it over here, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The ones who were captive were the Gentiles. That's a whole story of God extending the gospel to us. Can y'all really get the importance of this? Without the spirits in prison being preached to by the gospel, which is the resurrection, we wouldn't have a chance. Without Israel going after Baal in the grove and Shemash and Molech and Venus and, and all those gods of Egypt, Romans eleven eleven. Did the Gentiles, did the Jews just stumble, just merely to stumble? God forbid they stumble, so salvation would come to the Gentiles. The Gentiles would come to the light. Romans eleven eleven. That was all arranged by God. Their fall. Now let's go back over here to to uh, Isaiah sixty one, and look at verse nine. Talking about the Israel. Well, let me read verse six. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord, and men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and their glory shall ye boast themselves. In verse 9, And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. Your offspring will be among the Gentiles, but it will be a spiritual offspring. And look at verse 2 of chapter 62. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all things thy glory. It don't mean they'll look at it. If they see it, they've got seeing eyes and hearing ears. And look over here in Isaiah 65 is probably one of my favorites on all this. Because this says exactly that he's coming to the Gentiles. You know what a Gentile is? That's everybody that's not a Jew. That's what a Gentile is. The crazy thing is, is the Old Testament Gentiles get left out. That's right. Totally forgotten. They're blinded, but it's the same thing as the New Testament Jews. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) They all get left out too. It's God's elect. It boils down to that. He says in Isaiah 65, I am sought of them that ask not for me. That has to be Gentiles. I am found of them that sought me not. That's talking about Gentiles. They didn't seek after me. And I said, Behold me, behold me, unto a Gentile nation, same word as Gentile, that was not called by my name. That's Gentiles, isn't it? He was saying, I said, Look at me, look at me, to those that weren't called by my name, that has to be Gentiles. I have spread my out my hands all day unto a rebellious people, Israel, going after Bell Grove, all those gods, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoked me, Israel in the Old Testament. While they were a nation from First Samuel to Second Chronicles, they provoked me. That's why he blinded their eyes, opened the eyes of the Gentiles. 
that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth. Back then it was against God's law for them to eat that, and they were eating that. And abominable things is in their vessels. And this is what the Jews said, which say, Stand by thyself, and come not near unto me, for I am holier than thou. <laughs> that God called us, and he hasn't called you. Well, he has called the Gentiles. And a Jew is not out of the heart. Circumcision is of the heart. You had to be a descendant of Abraham to be circumcised to be a Jew. But he says that's not the literal thing anymore. It is spiritual. And he goes on down here and says in verse 11, But you are they, talking to Israel, that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain Zion. We're come to heavenly Jerusalem. We're come to Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. That's us. You can't separate this from those verses over there in the New Testament. They prepare a table for that troop. Now, troop is the word gad. Israel, you prepare a table for gad. Gad means to distribute fortunes. Has the same meaning as demon or demonion. He said, That's who you prepared a table to sacrifice to and to, to furnish a drink offering for that number. Well, that's an indictment M E N I Y. That is the word, that's the word for Allah. Allah was called Mene. And that's the Lord Moon that comes out of the first chapter of Genesis when the Lord Moon numbered the seasons. And they worshiped the Lord Moon among the Islamic people. This is an indictment of going after Allah. For that number, when you look over here at the... uh, I'd like to read all of this. Well, he said in verse 17, well, let me read 15, 16, 17. 15, ye shall leave your name, Israel, for a curse unto my chosen. I have a chosen people, which is not this literal Israel going after all these idol gods. For the Lord God shall slay thee, Israel, and call his service by another name, Gentile church, elect predestinated elect. And he says in verse 16, that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. He that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles, former means the first ones, the ones before, which was Israel going after other gods. That's former are forgotten because they are hid from mine eyes. God says, I have forgotten literal Israel. For I create new heavens and new earth. 
So the heavens was the ruling class. You can find that in McClendon and Strong. Look up heavens. Look up heaven and earth. Look up heavens. Look at the end of the article. It'll say heaven and earth. It'll say heaven was the ruling class. The earth was the ruled. When you find new heavens over there in Revelation, the 21st chapter, the first verse, I saw new heaven and new earth coming down from God out of heaven. That's talking about the new heavens is the church. Because heaven's ruled. We rule with a scepter of righteousness. We rule with the word of God. Goodness sakes. Then you go on over here to 66 and in, uh, 12. I can't read all this. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall you suck. You shall be brought upon her knees and dandled on her sides and dandled upon her knees. And he goes on to say in 18 and 19, for I know, verse 18, for I know their works and their thoughts, talking about Israel. It shall come, I will gather all nations and tongues, a reference to Acts 2. And they shall come and see my glory. But you can't see the glory of the Lord unless he gives you seeing eyes and hearing ears. And then he says in verse 19, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to be preached to. There's no doubt who the spirits in prison are. They're preached to by the resurrection of Christ. And look over here in Malachi, the last, last book of the Bible, of the Old Testament. And you've got things like this all through the... What I want to do is just verify you who this is talking about. If you'll notice, if you don't know anything about the Old Testament, you can't figure out who, or anything about definition, you can't figure out who the spirits in prison are. And then he says over here in Malachi, first chapter, he'll tell you all about it. This is where he said he loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born. In verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, Israel, Jacob, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob and I hated Esau before they were born, for either one had done any good or evil. That's what Romans 9 says. Then he says down here, on further down, verse 7, you, have, you offer polluted bread upon mine altar. They didn't do anything right. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. The table of the Lord was the altar where they offered all the sacrifices. This was the table of the Lord. Here's the temple. And here's the altar up here. And it's called the table of the Lord because 
the priest reached down with a flesh hook in there, and what they pulled up, that's what they ate that day, and every sacrifice was offered with salt. So that had salt on it. And Leviticus, the first chapter, and several other places. And how can it be contemptible? Well, here's why, and he tells them why. Israel was trying to get by with everything they could with God. And you offer the blind for sacrifice. How's that? They were supposed to count the sheep, and every tenth sheep belongs to the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The only problem is they knew that they all knew the names of their sheep. You could put a blindfold on one of those shepherds, they could fill it, fill the sheep and tell you its name. That's how they were close to the sheep. They lived with them, they slept with them, they protected them. And if they had a sheep named Fluffy and it was their daughter's favorite sheep, it happened to get in line and be the tenth. They'd take Fluffy and put it over here. Here, here's an old sheep that's blind. Stick that in there as the tenth one. God says, that's what you do to me. You offer the blind for sacrifice. And that's one of the many reasons God turned away from them and blinded their eyes. You offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, isn't it evil to do that? You just counted them and the tenth one belonged to God. That's the tithe. Is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. When it comes time to pay your taxes and they say you owe $7,000, tell the governor you'll give him $100, okay? Tell, tell the government that. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? He ain't going to be happy with you. There's a lot to this stuff. Do you realize that? A lot. And he says down here, he says in verse 11, Far from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles among these spirits that are in prison over here but I won't open up the truth to them till Acts the second chapter this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit my truth on all flesh the Gentile flesh that's why God would have all men be saved but not every individual there's a predestinated elect among the Gentiles and that's you and I all men doesn't mean every man. When Paul said to Timothy, Timothy is pastoring a Gentile church. Because Paul founded that church, he's pastoring at Ephesus. That's on the western end of what we call Turkey or Asia Minor. Those are all Gentiles. And Paul writes Timothy a letter in First Timothy, and says God would have all men be saved. He's talking about Gentiles, not every individual, but men from every nation, tongue, and tribe, which they were limited in the Old Testament. They couldn't believe 
unless they were made an exception like God made Nebuchadnezzar or like he made some of the others, Rahab and, and Ruth. All right. And he says there, my name will be great among the Gentiles. And the next, he goes on and finishes, for my name shall be great among the heathen, which are the Gentiles, saith the Lord of hosts. And he says in verse 14, the very last phrase, my name is dreadful among the heathen. Now, now let's go over here. I don't have any time left. I'll have to continue this next week. I've given you what Isaiah said and some of the Old Testament prophets have said about Gentiles coming to the light. I'll give you one, maybe two verses. Ephesians, the, the, the fourth chapter, fifth chapter. Ephesus was a Gentile church, wasn't it? It's a bunch of Gentiles, people that were not Jews. People that weren't Jews at Ephesus. He says here in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Verse 8, for you were sometimes darkness. The Ephesians were dark in the Old Testament. But now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. But they were in the dark over here. Now they have the truth, the light, and the Gentiles are coming to the light by the resurrection of Christ. And look over here in every one of the Gentile churches. He says something. Look here in Colossians. In Colossians, the first chapter. Talking to Colossia, which is right here. Right in here. Wasn't one of the seven churches of Asia, but it's right there on the western end of this this Turkish peninsula. Now, he says here in Colossians, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us Gentiles, meet or worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Remember, prison is the division of light and darkness, day and night. From the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his dear son. And that's the kingdom of light. Look over here one more time. I read it last week. Do I have any time? I'll read this at the end of Acts, Acts the 26th chapter. Paul tells you exactly what Isaiah was talking about. Acts 26. Paul is standing in front of Agrippa. He is a governor, supposed to call himself a king. But he's not of the tribe of Judah, and they can call him one, but it's not what he is. In the 26th chapter of Acts, he stands in front of Agrippa, 
And he says, this is Jesus. Verse 15, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. This is Jesus in red letters. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. I've delivered you out of their hands. Now I'm sending you to the Gentiles to do these things, to open their eyes. They were blind. That's what he says in Luke 4.18. And to turn them from darkness to light, from prison to bring them to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness, remember, Ephesus means to pardon and release from prison. The Gentiles will be released from prison. That's what, and he says, give forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I hope you can see that Paul was exactly what Isaiah was in the Old Testament. One equates to the other. I'm out of time. I got so much more on this. I just don't have to get to it all. I hope you can put up with me reading this much Bible to you because it takes that to really verify. I mean, to drive this in the ground and break it off. That Pat Robertson is, is an ignoramus because he don't know nothing about the Old Testament, don't know nothing about Christmas, something else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, I don't even know what to ask for. I get so depressed sometimes at the world that don't believe you. Thank you for your word. We pray that you'll guide us, direct us in what we should say to people so that they can, if they're yours, they can understand. I've got so many people I've talked to that seem to not care. If any of them are your elect, crush their heart and cause them to listen. Fight our battles. Lead us to your elect family in Christ's name. Amen. I hope there's not any doubt what the spirits in prison are. Or what the all men are. Children. Uh, Teresa wants everybody to know that Jesse's in the hospital and at the VA. Okay. Do you have a check for me? Oh, yeah. yeah. You forgot? Yeah. Um, okay. I might have, huh? have my check in the car. Okay. Well, that's, I'm not worried about it. I'm just wanting to know if you forgot it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he might have uh, open heart surgery Friday. Who, Jesse? Where is he in the hospital? Is that the VA? Oh, at the VA out in Murfreesboro. In uh, Nashville. Oh, in, oh, which hospital? It's right by Vanderbilt. 
And Centennial? No, it's the VA. 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 Oh, was there a VA down there? Yeah. I had my heart operation at Centennial. That was back in 2002. That was a long time, about 18 years. But I'm in pretty good shape, I guess. Well, Sheldon, what's been going on with you? You're just not interested in that job up there. No. Okay. I just thought about you when she said they were looking for somebody that could speak Spanish to work there. I got to use my Spanish today. Yeah, you did. With some Spanish people or some... Spanish guy. Needed an exam and learn how to wear contact lenses. Can you understand them easy? If he talks slow enough. Did you tell him that? Yeah, I told him. Repeat it. What do you say? Because oh, they do like us. They just sling things in there, don't they? Especially the Puerto Ricans and the Cubans. Really? Why? What are they? They just talk faster, and even the other Spanish speaking people realize the Cubans are the fastest. Why? I mean, why Cubans? Strains, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I felt sick today. I was so sick, I had to lay down for about, sleep for about two and a half hours. Really? Yeah. yeah I think something's going around. It must be because I ain't been feeling good. I've been having a hard time. Oh. Um, you going to see... Huh? You're going to see Mike tomorrow. I'll write that check tonight. Give it to him. It don't matter. Whenever. I just was reminding you. Didn't know if you probably forgot it. I ain't worried. I ain't worried at all. What are you doing, girl? Huh? Trying to stay awake. <laughs> Trying to stay awake. Not because of the message. Did you work a lot today? Yes, I did. I had to be at work at 4.30 a.m. Huh? I had to be at work at 4.30. How's Tony doing? I thought he's coming back. We don't work together. He said he was coming back, and he didn't. He said he's going to bring his kids and come. Huh? He was sick last week. Yeah. I know he's not healthy for as big as he is. He's not a real healthy man. But we don't work together anymore. Had some, you don't? I'm in a different building now. Oh, yeah. So we don't get to see each other. You don't even see each other? What are you doing, Shardy? You said I'm sleepy, right? I'm quiet. How you doing? I'm hanging on. Hanging on to life. I'm awful tired.